get my papers out, and I'm an old school kind of guy. I'm not doing the iPads and, and that kind of thing. Too much, too much stuff to go wrong there. I'm glad to see it's starting to fill in a little bit. I mean, I was worried there for a minute. It looked like we were going to be pretty short today. I thought maybe the mess, the word had gotten out that I was speaking today, and everybody decided to stay home and, and do something more fun. But uh, and it kind of brought to mind, if you indulge me for a minute, an old an old joke. Uh, used to hear a lot in the Baptist church and things about the country preacher. It was it was uh, it was Sunday and. Uh, he was there at the church, and yeah, horrible snow, big, big blizzard almost, and the only person that showed up was one farmer that lived right there by the church, and and the farmer sh- came in, took his regular seat, and, uh, you know, the pastor said, well, you know, I've got, uh, I've got something prepared, but you're the only person here. I mean, do you want me to go ahead with it or what? And the guy said, well... I reckon, uh, I reckon if I went out to the field to feed the horses and only one of them showed up, I guess I'd go ahead and feed him. So the pastor goes, well, there you go then. So this guy took off. I mean, he started in Genesis. He went straight through to the maps. He unloaded on this guy. Hellfire, damnation, he, everything. He just unloaded on this guy. He got done. He had a sweat worked up, a big lather worked up, and he got done, he looked at the guy, and he said, well, what'd you think? And he said, well, I told you if I only had one horse showed up, I'd feed him, but I wouldn't dump the whole trailer on him. <laughs> so, that has nothing to do with what I'm talking about today, but thanks for indulging me a little bit anyway. So, uh, the, uh, so our message today is out, of, uh, is out of Matthew 15, 21 through 28. So, start flipping there so that, so that you get there when we're ready to talk. This is a... This is a, a, an interesting little story here, and I think we're going to enjoy this time together, and it's certainly a pleasure and honor to be able to, to, to talk with you here today about this for a little bit. Uh, now, this, this uh, like so many of the stories in the Gospels, there, there's a parallel of this in Mark 7, 24 through 30. Now, we're not going to go there. We're not going to read that. I'll make a couple of references to it. But it's always good when you're, when you're looking at these stories in the Gospels, particularly, and there's a, a parallel story in another one. Uh, read both. Look at both of them. Study both of them because you may, there may be little nuances and things that, that one or the other you know, has or doesn't have. So always good, to, always good to, to read and study kind of both of them together. But... Uh, let's go ahead and read this. Again, we're in Matthew 15, 21 through 28. And let's read this uh, together. <clears throat> and Jesus went away from there and withdrew to the district of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a Canaanite woman from that region came out and was crying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely oppressed by a demon. But he did not answer her a word. After his disciples came and begged him, saying, Send her away, for she's crying out after us. He answered, I was, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she came and she knelt before him, saying, Lord, help me. And he answered, it's not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. She said, yes, Lord, yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. <clears throat> then Jesus answered her, O woman, great is your faith. Be it done for you as your desire. And her daughter was healed instantly. Some versions say her daughter was healed that very hour. Let's pray uh, for the Lord to bless uh, the reading and the study of his word today. Father, we just thank you 
For this time that we share here, this time that we have with you, you're in our midst, you're in our presence, you're here with us, Lord, to, to be honored by our praise and worship, to be honored by our singing and our prayers and, and all that we do here today. So just let them all bring glory to the name of Jesus and the cross be lifted up and, and you be honored. And we pray for those uh, who couldn't be here today, those who are watching on Facebook, who will watch this later, Lord, that you... Uh, give the the the, the work, give your word the power and the impact at every level that it, that it has here today as we gather live and so just bless us in what we talk about here this next little bit Lord and let it all be let it all bring glory to Jesus name Amen. <clears throat> so this is an interesting little story right? Not particularly long, only about eight verses, pretty short. Really. You know, nothing particularly exciting or overwhelming going here. The kind of story, really, that could get easily lost in the middle of all the other miracles that Jesus does, right? But I'm glad that I got to talk about this particular passage because I think there's so much here that, that, that speaks to us and, and really uh, really can, can, can bring a lot of, of depth in our understanding of, of the Lord and, and how He works and things. Jesus... Jesus and his disciples at this point, it says, are leaving the familiar areas where they've been doing most of their ministry and, and the works and the things that we've been studying over the past few weeks. And they're leaving that familiar area and they're heading into what is Gentile territory. Uh, he's outside not only of Jude, uh, Judah and Galilee and all those areas that the stories, uh, the, the uh, verses that we've been studying up to now have been about, but he's outside of the place where most of the Jews live in that region. His intention, if we read in the Mark passage, his intention is to get away and not, do not have, not go there to have public ministry. He's not going there expressly for the purpose of having public ministry. He doesn't want to draw attention to himself. He wants to remain undisclosed, it says in Mark. He wants to remain hidden. Uh, maybe, maybe, uh, maybe he was going there for rest from all the stuff that was going on. Maybe he was getting away to teach his disciples and spend some time preparing them for the ministry that they would have when he was gone. Uh, maybe he was just trying to have some peace and get away from the crowds because if you remember the, thing, the weeks that have been leading up to this, the Pharisees are really starting to press in on him. The crowds are pressing in on him wherever he needs to go. And I think there's a lot of pressure and there's a lot of danger and things going on. He begins to, for whatever reason to get away, and, and we need this time away. But still, as uh, so, many, uh, so many times with Jesus, still people find him. They find out he's there, they hear he's there, somebody sees him. Uh, and specifically, this Gentile woman in this story is captured in, in, in Matthew and Mark for us. Uh, there's, there's a few things about this, about this that I want to point out to you uh, as I, as I kind of look at this. First of all, uh, first thing is that uh, uh, demon, this, this, this little girl was demon-possessed, and demon possession is real. This is not a mental illness or, or any other kind of diagnosis that, that, that might be made, but specifically an unclean spirit had possessed this little girl, and there was nothing that could be done to help her, or seemingly nothing that could be done to help her. Uh, that's not our topic today, and I'm not going to really go down that road at all, but I would say to you, read and memorize the Armor of God verses in Ephesians 6, 10 through 18. Uh, very real and something that we need to, you know, stand firm and, and be prepared for. But, uh, but, but this little girl is possessed by an unclean spirit. The second thing I would say is this woman, uh, she was a Gentile. 
And she came from a region, this region, if you, if you take what it says in Matthew and Mark and you kind of look at that, it's a region that uh, is historically pagan. Chances are good that she, was a, that she was a pagan. Maybe even that had something to do with why her little girl was possessed. We don't know that. But somehow she knew, had heard about Jesus, and she knew and, and somehow understand that he, was the, that he was the Savior, that he was Lord. He actually refers, she actually refers to him as Lord. And, and she cries out to him, have mercy on me, please help me. She understood that there was something about Jesus and what he could do. And I, I really like, I don't, I don't know if this jumped out at you, it jumped out at me as I, I kind of read this. Notice that in everything that she says to him, she doesn't ever use the word if. She doesn't come to him and say, if you want to, if you will, if you're willing but only in her words, I know you can do this. I won't take no for an answer. She came desperate for, she came desperate for what, only what Jesus could do. And Jesus', Jesus response, and the response of his disciples, is really just a little bit hard for me to understand, quite frankly. As I read that and read that and read that, I thought, boy, that's, you know, that's, that's quite interesting how he responds to her, really, in three different ways. And uh, actually, the disciples, I think we maybe understand them a little bit more, don't we? Uh, you know, they're, they're saying, this is annoying. I can't listen to this woman anymore. This is annoying. Somebody shut her up. I can't deal with this anymore. And I think too often, uh, we tune out. We try to separate ourselves from the, the heartfelt cries of people around us because it's easier that way. It's cleaner. It's less noisy. Ain't nobody got time for that. Is the is the old catchphrase, and I think and sometimes we can look at that and say, yeah, we kind of understand what, what the disciples were thinking there, but what about Jesus? I mean, first of all, he doesn't even answer her. It says, first of all, he does not even say a word to her. I mean, what was he doing? Was he considering what to do? Was he testing her resolve and what she was asking for? Whatever he just didn't even respond at all. Remember, at this point, again, his plan was not to minister there. It wasn't time for that. In Matthew 10, 5-6, he actually told the disciples explicitly not to go to the Gentiles yet, but rather go to the lost sheep of Israel. Does that sound familiar? That's the exact words of what he's saying here and, and reemphasizes again. So it was not time for him and that ministry to occur there. Uh, he wasn't sent for that. Then his second response in verse 24, he seems to be making it a little bit worse, doesn't he, uh, when he says that same thing to her. But the interesting thing is that her desperation continued strong. She knelt before him. She worshiped. She knelt before him and begged for help. You're not, she's saying to him, you're not seeking me. You're not seeking me. I'm seeking you. I know what you can do, and I'm seeking you. And then third, and possibly the worst sounding uh, of the responses uh, is it's wrong to take the children's bed and throw it to the dogs. I read that like 20 times, and I was like, what am I going to do with that, Lord? I don't know what that means. But I did read in the commentary that little dogs was kind of a common reference that Jews made about Gentiles. I don't know much about that. I'm not deeply into the historicity of things. But sorry, Gina, that wasn't a poke at you. I have to say that in my yacht voice, though, the historicity of things. Uh, but it kind of sounds insulting to me, right? Am I the only one? 
sounds a little insulting maybe. Honestly, I can't even fully explain it. I'm not even going to try to. But this is something that I tell my grow group all the time. Uh, there's never a wasted motion with Jesus. There's never a wasted word. He says what he means, and he means what he says. And so whatever point he's making with that, he's making to this lady. But that, even that, even his word there is not, in my mind, the thing I really want to point out to you. What I really want to point out to you is this woman's response, because I think, I think that's brilliant. I think her response here is brilliant. What does she say? First two words. What does she say? Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, I agree with you. I agree with your assessment. I agree with you 100%. I'm not a Jew and I'm not worthy. I'm not going to disagree with you. I don't want what is reserved for the highly favored children. I agree with you. But even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall off the master's table. All I need is that crumb. All I want is that crumb. That one crumb will heal my daughter. I believe that. How badly do we need that kind of desperation and that kind of confidence when we come to Jesus? I know I do. Jesus wants, him, wants us to come to Him in that way, like this Gentile. Asking for His mercy and grace, perhaps even begging if it needs it. Don't be above that. Lay aside any self-righteousness. Lay aside any self-entitlement. Make no demands of Him or defend our case. Matt talked about that, that last week with the Pharisees. Defending their case constantly. Don't, no demands. No defending the case. Simply pleading. Simply pleading to Jesus. Trusting completely in Him and who He is and that He is almighty. Our persistence paid off. Jesus called it faith. In fact, he didn't just call it faith. He called it great faith. And great is typically a comparative term, right? So essentially what Jesus is saying here is, I've seen the faith of the Pharisees. I've seen the faith of the disciples. I've seen faith. I know faith. And this is great faith. This is great faith. <clears throat> In the midst... <clears throat> I'm kind of an emotional person. You need to know that because at any point I may start crying. And it's not something I can necessarily control, but I prayed about it a minute ago, so hopefully the Lord will help me get through these things. But uh, in the midst of her hopelessness and despair, the pleadings of this mother the pleadings of this mother to the one and only Savior saved her helpless little girl. J.C. Ryle is, a, uh, is an evangelist of old, and he was talking about this passage. He said, hopelessness and desperate as her case appeared, she had a praying mother. <clears throat> she had a praying mother. And where there's a praying mother, there's always hope. Where there's a praying mother, there's always hope. I'm the product of a praying mother and a praying grandmother. And along with my wife, or three of the godliest women I've ever known. Sometimes all we can do is pray for our children. All we can do is pray for them. Or rather, let me rephrase that. Sometimes the first thing 
And the best thing that we can do is pray for our children. And her daughter was healed instantly from that very, from that very hour. Amy, you're up. Time for the children. We're going to stop there and take a pause and we'll pick up from there. Come on up. We're kind of slow today. Is the clouds got everybody slowed down? <laughs> it's so good to see you all today. <clears throat> We're starting a new unit today and a new series of stories. And we're going today to be talking about choices and faith. And that's kind of what Mr. Greg was just talking about. So we make a lot of choices every day. Like, I made a choice today to get up and come to church. What kind of choices do you all make every day? Do you choose to get up? Eat breakfast? Yeah, eat breakfast. Eat breakfast. Yeah, that's a good one, isn't it? <laughs> or not to eat breakfast, yes. So we make lots of choices. We choose what we play. We choose if we are going to pick up our toys when our parents ask us to pick them up. We make lots and lots of choices. So today we are going to talk about a few choices. And we're going to learn about a lady named Ruth and her mother-in-law, Naomi. Now, Ruth was from a place called Moab. And they worshipped all kinds of false gods and idols. They did not believe in the one true God. But Ruth, or the mother, try this again, Naomi, her mother-in-law, was a Jewish lady, and she believed in the one true God. And that's what we're going to hear about today. So, we are going to study from the book of Ruth. Before we get started, let's say a quick prayer. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your word that teaches us and shows us your love. And what a true, wonderful, loving God you are. Amen. So in our story today, we have a man named Elimelech. And that's a hard word to say for me. I don't know about you, but Elimelech. And him and his wife, Naomi, lived in Bethlehem. But one day, there was a great famine that came, which meant there was no food in all the land. And Elimelech was very worried about his family. How was he going to feed them, and what were they going to eat? But then he heard in the country of Moab, there was a lot of food there. So he said, I'm going to move my family to Moab so we can have food to eat. So Elimelech and Naomi and their two sons moved to Moab. But while they were there, Elimelech died. And then it was just Naomi and her two sons. And then the sons married ladies from Moab, Ruth and Orpah. And then pretty soon the two sons died. And then they had, the ladies had no one to take care of them, to work, to earn the, to make the food and for them to eat. And Naomi thought, what am I going to do? And for a while, she was thinking about Bethlehem, and she said, oh, I miss my family in Bethlehem. I want to go back there. And then she heard there was a lot of food in Bethlehem. The Lord had healed the land, and there was plenty of food. So she says, I'm going to pack up and go back to Bethlehem. 
And so they, she packed up, Ruth and Naomi, packed up their food, and they started back to Bethlehem. So let's see how the trip is going with Ruth and Naomi. Ruth, why don't you go back to your family instead of coming with me? Oh. You can find another husband and have your children of your own. You've been so good to me, but it really would be better if you stayed here with your family. Naomi, I want to go with you to live with your family in Bethlehem. But it's better if you stay here. I don't have a way to take care of you. I don't have a way to make you happy. Really, you'd be better off finding a husband and raising a family of your own and being happy with your own people. Please don't ask me to go back home and not go with you. I want to go where you go and live where you live. Your people will be my people and your God will be my God. Well, I can see I'm not going to be able to change your mind about staying here with your family. I'm so happy that you want to love and worship the one true God. And I'm so happy you want to come to Bethlehem and live with God's people. We better get going. We have a long way to go to get to Bethlehem. So Ruth and Naomi continued to walk on their journey until they arrived at Bethlehem. So why in the world would Ruth leave her family to go to a strange land with Naomi? Well, after living with Naomi for several years, Ruth had come to know and love the one true God. She knew better than loving those idols in Moab. She knew it was important to love and worship that one true God, and it was better than anything else. So Ruth had faith in God, and she trusted God, and that he would take care of her, because God is faithful. All right. I have a few questions, so let's see if you can get them. Why did Naomi and Ruth want to go back to Bethlehem? Why did she want to go back home? Do you know? Exactly. There was a lot of food there. The famine was over, and they were going back to, because to get the food. So, But why did Ruth want to go with Naomi? Anybody remember why Ruth wanted to go with Naomi? Who had she come to love? Thank you. Yes, because she loved God, and she wanted to go back with Naomi and worship the one true God. So here's one I know you all can get. Who is faithful and can always be trusted? Jesus and God. Thank you. All right, our scripture verse today comes from the book of Proverbs, and it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding, and in all your ways submit to him, and he will make your path straight. Proverbs 3, 5 through 6. So what in the world does that mean? So let's kind of break it down. So trust in the Lord with all your heart. That means trust God and have faith in him, because he is faithful, and he will lead us and guide us. And lean not on your understanding. I mean, don't trust your own thoughts and your ways. Ask God for help, and he will lead you and guide you. And in all your ways, submit to him. That means choose God and his ways. Don't choose our ways. We need to choose what's important. That's God's ways. And he will make your path straight, which just means he will lead us and guide us, and he will help show us the way. So let's try to say that, if you all can help me with me. So if you will... Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not on your own understanding. And in all your ways, submit to him. And he will make your paths straight.
All right, let's try that one more time. We'll go a little bit faster now that you have it. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your path straight. Thank you. We'll say a quick prayer and then we'll have our song. God, I thank you for your word. I thank you that you are faithful and trustworthy and you are there for us to help us show us your way. We love you and it's in your name we pray. Amen.
because it felt looked dollars because I finally figured out I needed to raise the chair up. So if all y'all were seeing is the stand a while ago, I apologize for that. Uh, this part, this next part is going to be a little bit different today. Uh, we're, we're not necessarily going to just go back to the scripture completely, but this was kind of an opportunity to spend the next little bit kind of sharing my heart uh, and my dreams for the Grove Church and for you guys and the body of Christ. Uh, and, and Matt felt like this would be a really good opportunity for me to do that. So uh, this next part I want you to listen to pretty carefully uh, and, and kind of understand this because this is, this is a lot for the message of the, of the New Testament. We have everything we need right here, right now to change the world. We have everything we need right here in this room, right now, to change the world. Let's go down the list. We have the people. That's us. We have the power and authority. That's given to us by Jesus. It's in the, in the Great Commission. It's in the, in the New Testament. We have the mission field. Look out around us. I kind of envisioned that we would be outside and I would be pointing out at the fields. But imagine the fields with me. The mission field is literally 360 all around us, right? Is this making sense? We have the Word of God right here. If you think about it, the only really shaky plank in that platform is us. <laughs> and that always bothered me a little bit. Uh, we spent all that time at the end of last year and the first this year. You remember reworking our, our Constitution, reworking our bylaws, reworking our core beliefs, our covenant, all those kinds of things to put the emphasis on membership that had been lacking heretofore, to put the emphasis on, on membership in the body of Christ and what that means and to put the emphasis really where it needed to be. Now it's time for the membership to step up and do what the body of Christ was created to do. And you might be here today saying, but wait, I'm not a leader. We've talked a lot about leadership in this. I'm not a leader. I just started working at Champion Pet Foods uh, up, in, up in Auburn, Kentucky. And uh, it, this struck me on the very first day we're going through the core beliefs. So I was all this stuff that we had gone through, Steve, at the end of last year, and the first this year was running through my mind. And, and they flashed this up on the screen, and I just my jaw almost dropped. It said, leadership is a mindset, not a position. Leadership is a mindset, not a position. When they hire you there as an employee, they expect you to be a leader, whether you're stacking boxes on a crate, whether you're running a machine, or whether you're the CEO of the company, you're expected to be a leader. And that's what we should expect of ourselves in the body of Christ. You're gifted supernaturally from the Holy Spirit. Whoop, whoop. Raise the roof. You have the power and authority from Jesus Christ. You have the Word of God in your hand. And the mission field is literally feet away from where we're sitting right now. Is this starting to make sense to anybody? I've been seeing a few head nods, and I appreciate that. It's good to know y'all are awake and alive. But, but how? I don't, I don't know what to do. I don't know what ministry God is calling me to. That's something we say a lot in the church. I don't know what ministry God's calling me to. Sure you do. Sure you do. It's in Matthew 28, 18 through 20. We call that the Great Commission. It's in John 13, 34 through 35. Love one another. It's in... Matthew 22, 35 through 40, where Jesus gives us the greatest commandments. 
It's in every word and it's in every action that Jesus performed while he was here on earth. And he tells us, now you go and do likewise. You go and do what I have shown you to do. Let me share a few things that God laid on my heart. And we talk about this stuff in our grow group all the time. So I'm looking around at my grow group and any one of y'all could get up here and and give the rest of this, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll take one for the team and I'll stay up here and do it. But any one of them could do it because we talk about this stuff literally all the time. First thing is Matthew six thirty three. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. Seek to understand, let me challenge you, seek to understand that verse and what it means. Seek to understand that verse and what it means. Meditate on it, believe it. And live it. I'm convinced if we can get this one thing right. This is what I tell my group all the time. If we can get this one thing right. Every morning and every day in our lives. We won't have anything else to worry about. God literally has said I'll take care of the rest. Second thing would be learn to be intercessors and worshipers. Right group? Learn to be intercessors and worshipers. Two things but you can't separate them. You can't be an intercessor with, without the worship. They go together. Uh. Prayer should not be our last resort. It should be our first response. Be persistent. Beg if you have to. Get rid of the self-sufficiency and the self-righteousness. There's no room for that in a child of God. We, We bring nothing to the table. It's all Him. Know that your prayers have power. Know that your prayers have power to rescue, to deliver, to heal. The word says our prayers are powerful and they can accomplish much. Third thing would be hear the cries of the people around you and seek to understand and minister to those cries regardless of what you want or how you feel. Disciples were saying, send her away. I can't listen to her anymore. She's getting on my last nerve. There's 40 miles of nerves in the human body and she's on every last inch of mine. They didn't hear her cries. They didn't hear her crying out, save my little girl. Max Lucado, I'll always remember this. I read this one time. This stuck with me. He said, he called what he he called the big decision of discipleship. The big decision of discipleship. And that's to put God's plans ahead of yours. Whatever those are, put God's plans ahead of you. Intercession means that we get the heart of Jesus about the person or the thing that we're lifting up to him. It's not what we want for that person. It's not what we want for that circumstance. It's what he wants. And that's what intercession means, is that we seek to get his heart about that person or that circumstance. Fourth thing I'd say to you is challenge. Find your ministry. Learn your spiritual gifts. We sent a spiritual gift thing out not long ago. We can still, Mallory wherever you are, I'm sure we can still participate in that, right? Uh, test and try. Man, I, you know, I tried children's ministry, and my wife asked me not to come back, and I tried youth ministry, and, and my kids asked me not to come back, and then I landed in adult ministry, and those were the only people that would accept me, so I stayed there. But it took me a while, and it was a disaster, wasn't it, Amy? <laughs> but don't be satisfied where you are. Wherever you are today, don't be satisfied there. Don't be stale. Don't be stagnant. Oswald Chambers is one of my favorite authors, and he I'm going to paraphrase this a little bit, but basically he says this, beware of 
being what you've always been when God wants you to be something you've never been before. Don't, don't be stale. Don't be stagnant. Always, always strive for more. Fifth thing I'd say is put your heart into it. The word I like to use for that is surrender. That's one of my favorite words. Surrender. Surrender to him. Surrender to what he wants. Uh, we did a study several years ago in our grow group, and it was by an author named David Platt. And there was, there, was, there was a lot of good stuff in there, and there's some stuff I didn't necessarily agree with, but he said something in there that has stayed with me forever after. And I'm going to paraphrase this just a little bit, but basically he says, we'll change the world. Now, really, stop and look at me. Pay attention to this. This is very, this is very profound. We'll change the world when we stop asking, what am I willing to give? And we start asking, what's it going to take? Does that make sense? We stop asking, what am I willing to give? What am I willing to give to God? What am I willing to give? And we start asking, what's it going to take? What's it going to take to reach lost people? What's it going to take to impact the mission field around this church? What's it going to take? The last thing is actually just a a call to pay attention. Watch God change you and watch God change the world. The great economy of walking with the Lord is that uh, even if, uh, you know, if you do the right thing, if you do the right, the, the, the godly thing, even if the circumstances don't change, you will. And that's something special that he does for us because he's sanctifying us and he's doing something special in our lives. But more often than not, he's going he's gonna to use that kind of heart to change the world. We have, we've just gone through one of the most unusual, difficult, frustrating, exhausting periods in the United States since I've been alive. And we all, we all know what it means. Some of us are wearing masks. Some of us are still weary from all the stuff that's been going on. It's been hard on every single one of us in a wide variety of ways. Last May, <clears throat> my dad got real sick. He had been declining for a while, and we all could see it, but uh, it started to ramp up a little bit and kind of speed up and... Uh, on, uh, you know, we took, he was in and out of the hospital a little bit, and uh, we found out he had colon cancer, and it was uh, very advanced, and it was inoperable. So, um, um, on June the 14th, we moved him into hospice care. That was a Sunday, June the 14th. We moved him into hospice care. On Monday, June the 15th, I went to work. I used to work right next door, JRC Roofing. I went to work, and I found out I was not going to be working there anymore. Moved my dad into hospice. Next day, I found out I didn't have a job anymore. But it was awesome. I, told, I said, thank you, because I was like, now I get to spend time with my dad, my mom, and uh, do stuff I need to do while we wait for dad to either be healed or to, to pass away. And so, uh, so we walked through that. And then on the week of June 29th, my dad passed away, went on to be with the Lord. And after the funeral... Amy and I both started feeling a little bit weird. And you kind of already know this is going, especially the people that know us. But we went and got tested. Sure enough, we both had COVID-19. So we had to call all those people that <laughs> in our family in the funeral and say, hey, so we got all these people going out and getting tested. But luckily, nobody besides us, my mom, my brother, ended up with it. But we started our month-long quarantine. Back then, it was a month of quarantine, you know, at that at that point, we just were there for a month, but we didn't really care. We really kind of had a good time with it, but uh, that was a bad month. That was a bad month for me, that, for us. That was uh, like the, the uh, worst month of my life. I cried out before the Lord. I cried out to the Lord uh, many times over, and 
but the interesting thing is that the next nine months or so after that uh, were stressful, they were fun, they were busy, they were trying, they were frustrating, and they were awesome. How's that for a descriptor? I got to spend a ton of time at home with Amy, which was a blessing for me. I'm not sure if it was for her, but it was for me. Some days I know it wasn't, but uh, went to D.C. to see my grandson and my son and my daughter-in-law, help my son and or help my daughter and son-in-law move into a new house, you know, and get things done at their house, paint and patch and all that stuff. Uh, Brother Judd Wright's not here today, but Judd and I did the home improvement thing at our house, you know, all these little projects, and Judd was uh, Al, and I was Tim the tool man, and uh, uh, that's about how it went, but we got to work on that, and he really blessed my life with everything he taught me and did to help us, and I took some great hikes and had a great chance to witness to a lost friend of mine. I hope you all pray for him. Uh, and then I had some brothers who really reached out to me, and we talked often. And they ministered to me, and I ministered right back to them. And it was an amazing time to share in that. There's a lot that I could tell you if I could get through it without crying, but I won't. So I'm going to stop there. But, and that's maybe for another day, but suffice it to say, a lot of stuff happened, and I would not change a single thing. Um, you see, it's, and I really want you to understand this, the amazing thing about walking with Jesus is that once you get on the other side of the fire, you look back, and you, <clears throat> excuse me, you see how he protected you, you see how he loved you, and you see how he taught you all the way through it. The amazing thing about walking with Jesus is you develop this amazing, amazing cadence because you know that He has engineered your circumstances for His will and for your good and you can walk in peace and your yoke is lighter through all the walk you do. I kind of I pray these things for your life. I kind of pray that kind of ministry for all of you because the scrapes and the bruises and the stitches and the breaks that we endure are badges of honor given by a loving Savior who knows what it means to fight through the mud and the blood and the fire. Follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. Go with Him. Your life will never be the same and it will never be better. Uh, as most of you know, I've started a job in Bowling Green and Amy and I are working toward... We bought a house this week. I haven't had time to really tell anybody, but we bought a house and... We're working on selling, getting our house ready to sell and moving up there. And unless the Lord changes our plans, our time in ministry here is coming to a close and we'll start a new ministry in kind of a different mission field. And we're working through all the transitions and trying to get everything together here at the Grove best as we know how. But just know that we'll be praying and watching and cheering you guys on. We'll be your biggest cheerleaders. And uh, just... Keep in mind this, we live as pilgrims, we live as strangers in an unholy world full of lost and dying people. Maybe it's your parents, maybe it's your kids, maybe it's your spouse, maybe it's your co-worker, maybe it's your neighbor, whoever it is, they're all around us, the mission field's all around us. We can all, we can all learn a very simple, a very simple thing from this, this Gentile woman, this pagan woman who came to Jesus in the simplest of ways who more than the Pharisees, more than Jesus' own disciples, understood that Jesus was almighty and that he could save. He could save her little girl. Jesus saves and he died for our sins. And that is the message that we take into the mission field. That's the message that we take to the lost, a world of lost sinners. 
Um, there's a quote from Charles Spurgeon I heard years and years ago, and it's, for lack of a better word, it's haunted me for a long time. It's one of those things that, that stays with you and you can't really get away from it, but I really, you know, shouldn't. But I wanted to kind of share this with you all today because it kind of put my heart and my thoughts in proper perspective. He said, if sinners be damned, at least let them leap to hell over our dead bodies. If they perish, <clears throat> let them perish with our arms wrapped around their knees imploring him to stay. If hell must be filled, let it be filled in the teeth of our exertions and let no one go unwarned and unprayed for. I'm convicted by that. I really am. I hope you are too. I hope your heart is, is touched and convicted by that. Don't leave here today unchanged. Go and be doers of the word, not just hearers of the word. As we close, uh, I asked Perry to sing a very specific song. I pledge my allegiance to two things in my life. <clears throat> old glory and the old rugged cross. When I was a little boy growing up at a Baptist church, who, who grew up in the Baptist church? Does anybody have fifth Sunday sings where you went to church? We had this thing where on Sunday night it was like fifth Sunday sing and it was like Okay, the, the minister of music would get up and say, okay, now we're going to shout out these hymns and then we're all going to sing them together, you know. And so if anybody's reliving these memories, it's pretty awesome. But I can remember even then as a six, seven, eight, nine-year-old little boy, the, the song, The Old Rugged Cross, really hit, really hit a note with me. Number 93, every week, and I could just... Hear my dad's eyes rolling every week. You know we're gonna we're gonna sing that song every week because Greg's in here calling out number ninety three. It was ninety three in the nineteen fifty six Baptist hymnal. Go look it up if you don't believe me. So I asked I asked Perry to take us out on that song today. I know you know if you need to if you need to know I don't know where everybody is in your walk with the Lord. If you need to know Jesus is the as your Savior, make make this the day that you come to Him. Just come 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 like this. Gentile woman, come desperate, come. Just, just asking and believing who he is in his saving grace. If you, maybe you're already saved, and this story, like for me, maybe it brought tears to your eyes because you remember the time that you came to Jesus desperate and hopeless, and, and he saved you. And If you heard the word today and you feel the Holy Spirit kind of working in you to step up, to yearn for a deeper walk to him, with him, to walk with Christ, to be what God wants you to be for his kingdom, this is a great time to rededicate your life I don't know if anybody's ever told you this, but this is something I try to emphasize with my group all the time. You're, you're, unique, you're a unique individual. As a Christian, you're a unique ministry tool. Have you ever realized that? You're like a snowflake, which is kind of a weird thing, but snowflakes are unique. No other person, think about this, no other person has the gifts, the combination of gifts, talents, abilities, personality, history, experiences, that you have. And that makes you uniquely able to minister to people in a way that nobody else can. Give that, to, give that back to God. He gave it to you. Give it back to Him. 